0: Awesome. Welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kelly. Look, connects with me on all major social media platforms. You know what my favorite platform is? Instagram. You can connect with me at CVMK33 or my second favorite one, which you should subscribe to right now at the link below, YouTube at CV Space Clay. You can connect with me on all streaming platforms or podcasts. I heard it doesn't matter if it's Apple, Spotify, it's out there go connect. I have an amazing series that i am just started. It's called Meet the where I highlight amazing influencers in their creative space. This particular episode is Meet the Author. I have an amazing author, an amazing influencer. She is becoming uh, one of the coolest people that I know, especially in the podcast universe. And she's an avid fitness influencer. Check her out. But look, let's introduce her. She's on the show. Jazz, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you this evening? Hey, you know, you know, not too
0: bad for a light-skinned brother, you know, just bald out here. So (laughs) I'm doing all right. You know, I appreciate this. Well, yes, I know you're an author. Um, There is a lot of content out there. So I always want to start with the simple why, right? Like why go down this route? Why write anything you know uh because podcasting and and i get it like now media and reading is all different with audible but why become an author what what particularly drove you to this
1: hmm i i am an author writer first um i'll say that because that's that's all i could ever be there was never another path for me some sometimes you you learn something in life and like that is the core of who you are. Like you just align so perfectly with that passion. So I was, I was reading a three and, and and writing my own little books on spiral notebook paper at seven, trying to sell them for 10 cents with my dad, you know? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was like, that's always what I was always going to be some type of writer. I didn't know in what way that was going to shape out. And so, um, into adulthood, um, you know, I, I went to college and I took a more corporate route and I'm a, a writer in the tech space, but um, I, I picked back up on like my love of writing in my past time. So in college, I, you know, did a couple of um, creative nonfiction pieces that ended up being published and I had the opportunity to be a part of a publication, like the back end part of that and see how that works. And to actually like acquire some pieces and sit down with other writers and that their pieces, and so it was. It was always a goal for me to work on some kind of books. Um, I, I I didn't know when or how I was going to finally sit down and write my first book, sure. cover to cover. Uh, it was just such a daunting task because again, it's something I wanted to do since I was as long as I could remember. Um, so I, I was I was happy to kind of ease my way into that with low content book publishing, and now as I'm preparing to publish my. First fiction book, which is something I never thought I would get around to doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, i Before we get into the yeah. book, did you you started off explaining what is the difference between being a writer and being an author? Because maybe there is a difference, and you know, I um, don't, I wouldn't call myself a avid author, right? Like wrote my mm. first one back in college. So did those copies. Uh, it was cool. It was more of a kind of a theological understanding of how the world works. And then mm-hmm. now, kind of stuck right in this creative space. But what really mm-hmm. is the difference between being a writer and an author?
1: I think a, I think a lot of people would define an author as someone who has like published work, usually a book. Um, yeah. Is how people d- define it. Um, I think uh, one one thing that I, I hate sometimes when it comes to like the writing and publishing community because it is such an easily accessible. Um, art and it's there's such a low barrier to entry. People try to kind of create this, use this elitism to kind of create, like, oh, well, I'm an author versus a writer and whatnot. I I call myself a writer because I don't just publish um works, uh, fiction and nonfiction or whatever. Like, I'm a technical writer too. Like, I write cop, I'm a copywriter too. I'm a UX writer, you know. Um, so that's why I, I call myself a writer, but. I think it, it just really depends on who you ask, but usually someone who's published some type of book or some some other um, creative work.
0: Does it count? Because I only sold to the people in my church. Like nobody else outside my church bought it. Does that count still? <laughs> I know you mentioned elitism. Like, look, I'm not an elite writer. It was only to like, like <laughs> and church mothers that really bought my book, you know. So,
1: you better, uh, you better claim your, yeah, you better claim really your title. You was
0: nice to me. I was, I was supporting. they was like we're gonna support you, brother. Then nobody read it. They just bought it, and you know it was like seven dollars. So you know, <laughs> like, claim so, it. You, you're into this. Um, you got like, see, so your first uh, published work is coming out. You're talking about low content writing. Walk me down that mm-hmm. journey. So, mm-hmm. where did the inspiration? Uh, for this start, and then how did it kind of evolve into this concept
1: yeah i'll I'll start with for me it's hard to even figure out so i'll I'll start all the way back, so like I said, I went to school, got out with my degree in technical writing, went to the tech space. Um, became really, really close to one of my deep friends. So I'm going to get a little personal with y'all for a minute. So one of my friends, you know, some people you connect with in life, and you're like, this This is my person. And she was just like one of my super close friends. Um, And we got really close. And she uh talked a lot about like her goals and dreams. And we ended up finding out that she got diagnosed with cancer. So she was trying to, fight in her mid-30s, so she was very young. And, you know, she was trying to fight this. And I remember one of our uh, conversations, she said, Jazz, this isn't all I'm supposed to do. I know there's more for me. There's more I'm supposed to be doing. And she died. So she didn't get a chance to do what she wanted to finish doing. And for me, one, I, that really resonated with me because I, at that point in my life, I, it was my first job out of college. And I was like, what is the thing that I have to do to be at peace when I leave this earth? What is the one thing? And I was like, one out of all the things that I like to do one thing that if I didn't do, I wouldn't feel like I fulfilled my purpose was is to write a book. Like I feel like that was something I I was told I was supposed to do that at like seven years old, yeah. you know. That this time I'm here in my mid twenties and I still haven't done it, and so I was like, I need to I need to do this, and so that kind of set things in motion to me, like okay, you need to start writing. So at first, I just kind of started, you know. It was, I've always been good at like writing short things. so I started there. It's was like, let me just write some kind of short things. Let me write about what's going on in my life, really big on creative nonfiction. you know, so it was a and my writing has always been very personal to me. so it was I, at that time I was going through a divorce, so I started writing about that because that was something I needed to write about anyway, because again, it's a part of who I am, that's how I process things. So I was like, let me write about that and let me put that into turn that into a book. Um, and so after I kind of finished the divorce and, and, and was done with that, I didn't want to really return that project because that project was so deeply rooted in emotion. It took me to a very heavy place to sit there and work on that project. So I was like, you know, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna step back from that. And so one, as my, I have three daughters and as my daughter started to get older, I really, I'm really big on representation for them. And I want them to always feel represented in the house, everywhere, you know, just as much as possible because outside of the house, they may not see that. So, you know, I would get on Amazon, like most parents, and I'm looking for um, books and content that's centered around Black children. And, you know, I noticed there was a gap in the space for low-content books. So when I say low-content, it's stuff like journals, literally think about low-content journals, um, coloring books with words and stuff, in them, um, sketchbooks, all those little, the little simple things that we don't think about that still impact our children. Because if I want to go give my child a sketchbook and the little girl on the cover doesn't look like her and none of the little girls on the covers look like her, you know, does she feel like she could one day be on the cover of a sketchbook? Can she draw a sketchbook with someone who looks like her, you know? And so it started to bother me that that representation wasn't there for my daughters. And I was like, okay, instead of complaining about it, who, who would create that? Well, I'm a writer. I'm an actual writer. So ideally I should be able to create something for my kids. So my very first low content project, I said, I just want to create a very simple sketchbook with prompts for my kids. And I want a little black girl on the cover. That's it. It didn't have to be anything spectacular. So I started to um, research that in that process and, you know, play around with a little bit of design software. Um, And I put together my first little book and I just, I spent so much time working on it for it to be so low content, but each prompt just had something that was, important that I felt like little black girls needed to feel represented. So, you know, um, sketch your favorite hair scarf, things that are specific to our culture, you know, um, draw your hair in rolls and what that looks like, you know, pretend you are a tree rooted in the earth. What does that feel like? You know, just mm-hmm. those types of prompts that I felt um, I wanted my daughters to see. And I, I feel like other people's daughters would connect with. So I just put it out there you know, for a few dollars on Amazon, I was like, I just it just let it exist, and if there's a market for it, there's a market. But more important for me, it was for my daughters first, and that's just something that I felt that was important. And so it started to sell, um, and it and it did pretty well. And you know, it's one of my highest selling books now, and it has you know books um, it has a few stars on Amazon, everything, and high ratings. And it's a very simple book; it's nothing spectacular. It's just that that m- small part of representation that we didn't have, you know, and so I started to just really take advantage of that niche and, you know, create a boy's version of that book, Um, you know, and create more journals for self-care and stuff that were centered around Black women. And so, and I started to split it over different brands on Amazon, you know, and I have some that aren't necessarily specifically for Black women, but, you know, it still could be, um, you know, my first novel or something like that, um, that are on some of my more general brands and, and whatnot. But I, I just started to put those out there. And from there, I was like, okay, I feel like I can tackle like a full content book now. But that's mm. how I got into the low-content space.
0: That's amazing. First of all, you almost made me cry. I'm sorry to hear about uh, the <laughs> your friend and the divorce. Uh, I had lost uh, my father due to the cancer. So anytime I hear that, you know, mm. I, I almost broke down and Ruin this whole thing. So,
1: um, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You know, to hear it. It's a it's a hard loss. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I, I'm yeah. sorry for that. Uh, but you're you're talking about that evolution, and that's amazing. And now you have Amazon reviews. It's great, and it's gained this attraction. Mm-hmm. Why do you think there was such a, a a void in this space? How come in the most basic things, right? Um, from journaling, not seeing yourself, you know, on the cover. Uh, of of uh, a material that is for somebody to one to ten years old, right? Like why is there such mm-hmm. a lack of diversity and a lack of representation uh, in these particular areas?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of times one thing that really resonated me that was said to me in a conversation recently was, as black people we we don't know that some things literally like jobs, career options don't exist because we didn't we've never seen them we've never seen them. Or if we have seen, we've never seen a black person in them. So some things we just don't even know exist. And I feel like we we know that authors exist. We know that you can write a full content b- book. How often do you really think about, like, when I go into Dollar General and pick up a couple of journals, someone had to create the cover for that journal. You know, and, and if, if we're not realizing and, and thinking about this as an occupation and no one's telling us, we may not we may not think about it now. Low content publishing has been growing. There are definitely a lot of um, other Black authors out there I know who who create this content, but so e- it's so easily seen as just a space for like just to get quick money. People just right. throw something up there, and it's not necessarily targeted to a specific group. They're like, oh, I'm gonna draw a really cute picture on Procreate. And throw it up there with a bunch of colors but for me as it was very intentional for me to like no this has to have a black woman black child some kind of way um on this particular cover because i think it's it's those small things that we don't think about where we need to be represented so i think it just could be a matter of some of us not knowing about the space we're new to the space so we're starting to infiltrate it and and i'm starting to see i'm so happy to see so much more low content work up now than even when I started. So it's definitely growing. Um, And I've seen just like off of the sketchbook that I had, someone has gone and created like a full content book with pictures and stuff. It's not a direct bite off mine, but still, regardless, I'm glad that they were inspired and created a full content book for a child to read, you know, off, off of that. So it, the more that we see each other in the space and now that we know that exists, that's definitely a space we will be permeating. And I just think it's just a matter of us us not knowing and then the people who were dominating that space just didn't necessarily have us at the front of their mind when they were creating what they wanted to create.
0: No, it makes sense. It makes sense. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times, um, you know, when passion is fueled, uh, product gets created. Uh, But I always say there's a tipping point uh, between, you know, the energy behind something and then the commitment to that thing and then that thing taking mm-hmm. over everything. Right. Where are mm-hmm. you in that? Process? Let's say your works, uh, you know, become, you know, number one bestseller. Right. To the point they're requesting, mm-hmm. you know, more of this content, more low content uh, uh publishing and, and more just creation and more product. When does it mm-hmm. shift? the not only is this something I do, this is what I do. Like, when does that shift happen?
1: Mm-hmm. I know for me, my long-term goal is to have a publishing company. So that's a legacy. I, always, I think in terms of legacy of what I want to leave for my children. Um, so that's one thing that I want to be able to leave to them. So I know for me, at this point, I'm still early in the game. I'm, I still have a lot of energy behind it. I'm passionate about it. Um, and, and I think what I love the most about it is that once I create it once, you know, I use Amazon's uh, print on demand service, so I don't have to manage the orders and the inventory or anything like that. I literally just upload the files and set pricing and I'm done. So that's passive income that's constantly coming in for me. Um, and for my children, because they get a percentage of that, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, like that's that's something that I don't have to worry about. So I definitely can see myself continuing to grow it because I want this hole in the market to be filled. Um, and, and even when it's filled, we'll find another way to create and iterate. And, and I think there's so much going on with technology and what you can do with your work as a writer and author. And, you know, stuff that's happening with blockchain technology and crypto media and what that means for creation in the digital space. I think there are there will always be ways for us to evolve.
0: That's true, and if you decide to go public anytime soon, I just want to be the early investor <laughs> so when it flow, I can retire and be like, "Yeah, I invested in that. I knew her <laughs> so, um, um, When you're you're in this process um, and you're putting out your work, um, one of the things that I struggled with, um, and granted, I wrote a book for that particular niche. You know, I wrote a book for believers. But I was so mm-hmm. afraid of what people thought. I was so pra- afraid of opinions and getting negatively. Mm-hmm. Like I held and I admit I held back. There was things I deleted. Mm-hmm. Um, there was chapters that I didn't go into full depth with. Um mm-hmm. now that I'm kind of in this process of trying to write something, now I feel like I'm I'm too far out there, right? Like, what is that mm-hmm. balance? You know, like, or I should say mm-hmm. better phrase. What is that struggle? Even when you're doing low content work, I mean, is there apprehension is like, what if the people don't like this? Or should you just ignore and just go with what is true and authentic to you?
1: I, I would I think it's a, for me, it's like two ways. So on the low content piece, it's so low stakes to create. Like I, I can literally sit down and, and with an hour, have an idea upload it and get it on the market. So it's so low stakes because Amazon is such a saturated market. It's like if people b- pick it up with the keywords or whatever and they like it, they do. If they don't, I'm turning out another book because it's the it's so little work for me to do. I don't invest as much energy into it as far as people will like it or not. I just more so create like this is something that I don't see that's been addressed on the market. This is what I'm going to create. Now when it comes to my full content work, like my Creative nonfiction and my fiction. Um, I'll, I'll talk more specifically about my fiction book because that's what I'm m- most deeply invested in. Now I'm probably about um, two fifths of the way through the book, and now that has been <laughs> that has been challenging because um, for that particular book, it, it is a sci-fi book and it's an Afrofuturist book, uh-huh. and so and it takes place at a, in a setting and time in which um, race is no longer a thing and um, gender discrimination is no longer a thing because it's so set far in the future so kind of i Id- idealistic in some sense but the reality hits you pretty hard in the book but um it's definitely a lot of scenes that i write um and i'm and i'm concerned i'm like am i accurately representing these characters if i'm writing characters who are um you know uh, a, of a specific lifestyle or culture that i'm not familiar with you know because as much as i want to accurately reflect these characters, I'm I still have my own bias. I I can only write from my lived experience. So, you know, that's always a struggle for me because I want to make sure I'm accurately representing um people and and I don't want to uh, be offensive. So I have a, a writing partner I meet with every week, one of my really close friends from college. And she's already written an entire series and we're really close. And she helps me a lot with like just running ideas by her. And I'm like, how do you how do you feel about that? And and because she's been down that role before, she does a lot of reassuring, you know, uh, behavior for me. She'll say like, "Okay, don't think so much about what people are going to say. It's your, it's your book, it's your character. You know, there people are always going to not like something that you write, but everything wow. is not for everybody. You know, you have to know your audience." And so I kind of take that the same way. I take some of my other works, you know, um, like as you know, I have a podcast on my shirt. And my podcast is is pretty. It can be kind of pretty raw for some people, Um, you know. And so, if, if you can't jive with it, and,
0: that's it. Okay. Don't remember,
1: right? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> it don't have to be for you. And I, I really love that whole saying. It's a, a, one of my favorite action movies. Pretty brutal movie, Three Hundred with the Spartans, Damn. and there's that scene where. And like Leonidas is talking to, I can't even remember the other group that he's talking to. And he's like, how many men did you bring? And he's like, I brought, you know, all yeah, these things and they're naming yeah. out their professions. Yeah. And then he's like, Spartans, what is your profession? And they just chant in unison. And yeah. I think about that. And he's like, see, I brought more men than you. And it's like, I don't need a, a thousand fans. I need a solid 10 that's going to be there. Every single day, all the that's time, they're gonna support everything I do. So I, I try to focus on that. Like, yes, I mean a lot of people that are not gonna really fool with it. it. Wasn't for you. I need but the ones that do, they're gonna buy all my books, they're gonna, they're gonna attend all everything that I do, they're gonna be invested in. That's what I need, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> that's I, I'm not trying to convince the whole world to buy into you know my novel or my craft, just the ones who it speaks to and resonates with them. That's who I'm trying to talk to. I
0: like that. And I've been on the podcast. If you haven't, Black Executive, <laughs> check out Jazz's podcast. I'm gonna give her the plug on my podcast. I've been a guest, she is amazing, amazing mm-hmm. just podcast host. I had an amazing time. And Thank you. It, we just keep it real. I mean, I said a lot of stuff on that podcast, yeah. that I can't say during the work day, you know. <laughs> you know, we just keep it real. We just keep it real. That's what yeah. we do. All I right. like, first of all, uh things that stood out to me. You just need your 10. I think we're living in the, what I call the click uh, or the, the Instagram kind of thought process. Mm-hmm. Like how do I get to hundred likes in the first 10 minutes, right? Like, right, so right. instead of creating something that we're really passionate about, we really want to drive home in our own unique space. We want to have that appeal, that mass market appeal. So, you mm-hmm. know, if it's if it's not us, but it's going to get us views, we'll do it. You know, kind of like the Spottom Challenge, which I think is hilarious, but at the same time, it's overplayed. Cause I'm seeing like people I'm like, you don't even listen to that type of music, you know, but I get it. Right. You just want the, the viewership. All right, so I totally agree. I think you hit it dead on. That sounds like an amazing concept. Um, a post-racial society yet dealing with Afro, uh, futurism. Um, I can see without knowing right, right where that is really <laughs> going to kind of go in. Uh, that sounds like an amazing, just amazing feat and just amazing journey and, and looking forward and I will purchase. Uh, so, Thank talk you. to me, so you're welcome. So you talk to me about the fiction one. Now there's the mm-hmm. creative nonfiction side, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, you know, fiction is life represented in masterful and colorful artistic ways to express in a reality that is not our reality, but a projected reality. Because I don't separate mm-hmm. it as fake versus non-fake anymore. Because sometimes this nonfiction stuff is just as good as fiction, Right. So talk yeah, to me about uh, that process, that creative journey for the creative nonfiction.
1: Ooh, so now that's 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 definitely one of my um, softest spots where I'm a little bit um, more oh. sensitive because so much of my creative nonfiction work starts as me having a moment where I'm like, I need to get this off my chest. Um, but th- those pieces end up being my most vulnerable piece Pieces. So the, the first piece I had published was actually a piece that I wrote during my marriage, um, early in my marriage, when my husband's grandmother's house burned down. Oh, wow. And this house literally was so old, they had built it, their family built it by hand, brick by brick. And so when it burned, the interior burned, but the actual structure stood. Sounds like a sermon. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, So, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when that happened, it was hard for me as a young wife and, and being very early in my marriage to figure out how to be there for my husband in that moment and to understand what he needed from me. Um, and so I had to sit down and write about that. And what that moment was like and me processing that because it was this awkward place where it's like I feel like I couldn't quite grieve because it wasn't what it was for me to them. You know, as much as I was close to them, that wasn't my family who built that house, you know, you know, it was their legacy and all that. And so I was like, I didn't feel as comfortable in my grief about that as, you know, he did. And I was like, how can I support him? And so when I wrote that piece, it was a really hard piece for me to write. And and when I decided to submit it for publication, um, I don't even I think I ended up at that time I was like sharing my work as I was in college. I think I shared it at an event and and somebody was like nudging me, like you should really submit for that to um be published. And I and I did and um it actually got picked up and I got to actually perform it like in front of an audience and it was like live on this radio station so I like to say I'm famous in Ireland cuz apparently the station was really big in Ireland. Uh, <laughs> so so but it was a really cool experience. But it was very um it was very vulnerable yeah. because this like this is my life and this is in on top of that it was an intimate moment in my marriage. And I was just kind of putting it out there, but people received it so well. So many people like cried when I performed it. I was just like, oh my gosh, like and that, that power and in that vulnerability is what has encouraged me to continue. So like uh, the, the second piece from that, that ended up getting published was a piece about me going through the same thing I talked about earlier with representation from my daughter, trying to find a doll in a store that looked like my daughter. I had a light skinned daughter with like this mixed texture hair and it was like I was struggling because I was like when you go to the aisle they all they only have white dolls and then they have one black doll and the black doll only looks one way and I was like black people look a lot of different more shades and hair types and you know than that and I'm like this is a beautiful black doll but that's not what my baby looks like and so I was kind of struggling with and she really wanted a doll for Christmas uh, for her birthday um and so I kind of struggled with that and so again it was a very vulnerable piece for me as a parent trying to figure out like what is what is the best decision? And, and like, why was this such a hard decision? Something like picking a doll, right? It should be simple. Well, it's such a hard decision for me. And so again, it was another piece that I wrote that really resonated well and got published in um, a zine. So it was it's those really raw moments um, that tend to get picked up. And so I've, I've learned to not hide behind those. Like I have to be vulnerable in my writing. So I think I'm actually probably a lot more comfortable with sharing my creative nonfiction work than my fiction work because in my and creative non-fiction it's like this is just this is my life this is an experience i had you can feel how you're gonna feel but this is what i lived through you know
0: now that makes sense i didn't look growing up there was nothing that looked like me on as far as toys as far as Mm -hmm. stuff on tv you know i i tell people all the time look until uh 2005 when I first heard of President Obama I was coolest <laughs> I was like I need somebody <laughs> on this thing that of reflects me in some aspect and and it is you need mm-hmm. to see that representation um you talk about the vulnerability um is it I won't say fair but why why does it seem like the hurt uh, that happens in people's life is what draws mm-hmm. other like like almost like pain is purposeful. If that makes sense, mm. right? You know, because it's it's what gravitates, it's what pulls, and mm. what captures the the audience's attention. Um, during this process, and as you got more comfortable with the vulnerability uh, and, and sharing your story, has it been therapeutic, or is it is it is it more? Because you mentioned, I got to get off my chest. Is it is it more for the I'm, I want to inspire and tell somebody it's okay, or is it more for an inner healing?
1: For me, it's it's always for me. I always write for me. I never write for anybody else. I think when I have to write for someone else, I don't I don't always speak in my authentic voice. I speak in the the voice that's that's tiptoeing around feelings and and if I'm gonna offend somebody and all I just, nah I don't want to I don't wanna write like that. So when I write, it's just like I I need to say everything that is on my mind right now. So it's very much catharsis and, and healing for me. And that's a, that's a part of my philosophy if, that I encourage all writers. So I, I taught writing for seven years uh, for college students. And so that's one thing that I always told them as well. Like you just write from your heart and your soul. Then once you get it out on paper, you can structure it and figure out what you want to do with it. Um, but you, But you just need to get it out. So when I write, it's just like, get this off my chest. And if I feel like it's cohesive and it can go somewhere and I want to share if I feel like someone can be um uplifted or inspired or just feel seen. I feel like sometimes like like your question about the pain, I feel like sometimes people resonate with pain because they just want to know that someone can adequately capture something they may have experienced or something that 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 they felt. You know, I know like I think about the same way with music, right? When people when um you go through a breakup and you listen to a bunch of love songs. You don't really want to fester (laughs) on the (laughs) on the hurt, you know, but you want to know someone in the world has experienced this type of pain and was able to channel and express it in this creative medium, which is this love song. It's like I don't want to sit and wallow in my misery, but I I need someone to feel what I'm going through right now. And this woman screaming on this track right now is going through (laughs) what I'm going through right now. (laughs) So we can scream and cry together in the mirror. You know, so in the shower in the rain crying like a 90s jealousy video I, I get it i'm
0: trying not to share that story man look totally unrelated totally unrelated this is random this is a random moment way way long time ago uh i understand before i my wife i kind of had one of those you know moments and like <laughs> I don't know why, like '90s R&B and even old school. Like I was listening to Al Green and you know tears yeah. on a pillow type stuff. Like because I wanted I wanted to express it, but I couldn't express it. And I'm like, these songs mm-hmm. make sense, right? Yeah. Like, oh, thank God, thank God for Jesus. I was tell- so. <laughs> <laughs> thank God for my wife and thank God for that deliverance. Because they no mo, no mo, no mo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah. real. That is, that is real. And I, I, I feel like you just you want to know that someone in the world has experienced what you experience, yeah. and you're not alone. And it's and it's normal, right? It's normal when you find out because sometimes I feel like, well, especially when you're going through grief or you're trying to process something, you, you feel so alone in the moment and you're like, is there anyone else who experienced this? Is there anyone else who's gone through this? Am I am I overreacting? Am I underreacting? underreacting? Am I abnormal in some way? And then and when you you see that expressed in, in writing or in music or whatever, you're like, this is a normal human experience. And whoever this person who created this is still functioning in life. And I can get past this too. So I think that's that's kind of why people resonate with it. I mean, we have plenty of joyous and, and happy moments. And I write about those too. Um, mm-hmm. But the pain, it's like, you know, when, when, you're, when you're, I feel like almost when you're happy, and you're just in so much joy, you're so busy experiencing that moment. You don't you don't really. I, don't, I know for me, I don't always have time to capture that on paper. I'm just experiencing it and being happy. But when you're in pain, you can't think about anything else. Like the pain. <laughs> but the pain is like, what else can I do with this? I need to dump it on this paper. <laughs> oh,
0: you're right. You're right. Happiness creates complacency. That's what the reality and then mm. unfortunately, pain creates purpose. Um, mm. So okay, I want to go here and I want to thank you for your time again. You've been amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, thank as this thing progresses, let's say somebody reaches out to you, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, Tyler Perry, uh, maybe not Tyler Perry, maybe like Ryan Coogler, right? I like, I love Tyler Perry. <laughs> I just think creatively, I think, you know, everything can't have the same format. So let's say Ryan Coogler, right? I like uh, Ryan better. Ryan's, Right. Um, <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. his kind of his niche right so reach out to say like hey look I, I read the writing uh, uh this afrofuturism is is really hidden you know i think we can create uh, a cinematic feature um i want to use this as a screenplay and create you know and take creative license obviously to flesh out you know details and, and lines and whatnot would you mm-hmm. be willing to allow your book to become a feature film <laughs>
1: I love that I love question it. because when I actually sat down to write the first scene for it, and let, let me let me let me let me backtrack to this story. <laughs> so again, how I was saying, like I didn't even want to, I wasn't even like writing fiction. Into, I had no intentions on writing fiction. I was actually working on a hundred percent nonfiction piece about my craft as a technical writer and mm-hmm. some D and I work that I was doing, like a very complete one eighty, like very technical research based academic type writing that I was planning to work on and I had this this dream and this dream was so vivid it felt like a movie to me and so Mm. I was like I woke up I was like I'm gonna write this down I need to write this down right now wrote it down didn't return to it for maybe seven eight months get on the call like I said with my friend so for us to do our little weekly write up and write meet up and you know she's talking about these fiction stories she's working on and and she was like have you thought about returning to fiction i was like no nah, but i did recently write about this dream but that's not what i want to talk about and i kind of brush it off she's like no let tell me about it let me see it i let her see that she was like if you don't write this book <laughs> and it's the power of having friends that see stuff in you you don't see that's it. <laughs> another sermon but but she said, if you don't write this book, like you need you need to write this book and tell this story. Um, and then I started working on it from there. So when I initially wrote it down, I wrote it as a screenplay. Like I, it, wow. it, I wrote it, seeing it as being a movie because it was so vivid to me um, and, and I wanted this scene to play out. So I would 100 percent absolutely uh, be on board with it. I will say this, that mm-hmm. I'm, on, I'm on Clubhouse. So I've had the opportunity to be in several rooms with Zane who if oh. you're not familiar with she's yeah yeah, yeah. writer <laughs> erotica you know yeah, yeah. um but she, yeah she not like, yeah,
0: yeah well you know i <laughs> watching. this like yeah Reverend, what you mean i'm like you know what like yeah i'm familiar I'm <laughs> what she does. You know. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah
1: uh-huh. so and horrible i was reading her books and, and most yeah. people I, most women yeah. i know we were reading her books as teens which is terrible yeah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was learning stuff but but yeah so she's, in a, she's pretty active on Clubhouse and and I'm in a couple of her rooms and they're usually pretty small and intimate so I've had a chance to ask her some questions and you know um, if she had a room about like having your book turned to a screenplay and I, I put it out there and I was like so I'm working on a sci-fi novel and you know what's the chances of it getting picked up or like how do I kind of write with these scenes in mind she was like baby just write your book baby them budgets be too high for sci-fi. Just write your book. <laughs> she had to have like a nice grandma. She was like, write your book, baby. Just write your book. And if it get picked up, you know, but uh, right now just focus on the book. So um, I, I've de- I've definitely thought about other ways I can visually represent my work um, if a screenplay isn't an option because it's a it costs a lot of money to create a world that doesn't exist. You know, you can't just go out and, and shoot sci-fi in the environment you know like it, because some of this stuff doesn't even exist or you know it's a totally different world um but yeah i would 100 percent be on board with it
0: awesome i like it go out and mm-hmm. write your book that is <laughs> whatever it is just go out and write it um mm-hmm. hey i, I want to join and i sometimes i think about joining a clubhouse and then i'd be like do I really want to engage with you know i engage with you know people i don't know that but it's like I don't know. Like to do that, I'm 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 hesitant. I really want to get on Clubhouse, but I <laughs> sometimes I'm lazy. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you. You know what hinders Cody? Because sometimes, like, I I just send like I just want to watch LeBron James play and then the Lakers game come on, and then I lose all creativity, and that's what happens. Where can they buy the book, Jazz? Where where can it so when this comes out? Your stuff will be on the screen. Where can they buy the book?
1: Yes, yes, yes. So when it is out, um, which I'm hoping will be published this year, because like I said, I'm almost I'm getting there. I um, I have my own site, Jazz Will Write. And that's where um, I have like just currently like my portfolio and things like that. But I plan on reshaping that site to include my published works as well. So you'll be able to find it on jazzwillwrite.com. J-A-S-W-I-L-L-W-R-I-T-E dot com.
0: I got it. JazzWillWrite.com. Uh, mm-hmm. Guys, go out there. Guys and gals, go out there. Get the books, Support Jazz. Amazing author. But don't just support her with the books. Support her on the podcast. Where can the people connect you? Where can they follow you?
1: <laughs> yes. So I'm at Black Executive. It's Black Executive, but no E in the middle, so B L A C K X E C T I V, it went the wrong way, but y'all get what I'm saying. Um, so follow me at Black Executive, uh, you can find it on BlackExecutive.com. you can find me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you stream, and we're on YouTube now, so we're doing video interviews, which you will catch Cody's when it drops too.
0: Follow her on YouTube, <laughs> Instagram at Black Executive, follow the podcast by the bus, and you know, mm-hmm. of course, if you're following her, you got to support me by YouTube, plays <laughs> K, and you want to support black old businesses. Everything is up there. All you need to do is support. I appreciate my guests. Again, Jazz, you are amazing. You're amazing gift to humanity. These, uh, Thank these, you. Podcasts, these books, the much needed, we need representation in every single sphere of life, uh, because there are little children who do not see themselves and grow mm-hmm. up with identity issues like myself because I did not see myself. Um, and I didn't mm-hmm. know if I needed to be, uh, dark skin like Michael Jordan or blonde hair, blue eyes, you know, because that's all I saw thank was around you. me. The only black person that was visible was MJ and everything else was, you know, white. So yeah. I appreciate you so much time. Support Jazz. And as always, thank you for thank tuning you. in for another episode of It Is What It Is Podcast.
1: Thank you.